Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey everybody, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast and sitting down for this rip is at the money tech. Just your regular guy, just your regular Bitcoin pleb with a fiat job in accounting who managed to get himself fully wrecked back in 2017 like many of us did and he has survived to, to tell us the story to make sure we do not follow in his footsteps to learn from his mistakes and this is what I love about the Bitcoin community call us toxic, ma toxic maximalists psychopathic assholes as much as you like if you turn up and you show humility and you want to learn from people that have come before you, then this is the only place to do it because people will go out of their way and step far higher up than anybody else you've ever met. And that goes for this gentleman who was very, very kind enough to send me two Bitcoin S9 miners for me to start trying my own hand and he's going to help me as much as he can and so are the other plebs out there that i've had on the show a big shout out to deebs and daz who have been on before and talked about home mining it's a movement get on board if you can but please do your own research because you are about to hear some horror stories uh let's get into the show but please make sure you are checking the show notes for the offers that are given out to you guys from the different companies that uh, are kind enough to shout out on the show and support me uh, there's a conference coming up lifetimeliberty.com get over there at liberty iol it's being run by the free cities guys uh, peter young is heading this up titus gable you would have known from free private cities he's been around on other podcasts Stefan Levera is going to be speaking there. I'm going to be speaking there. It's going to be in Prague, 21st to the 23rd of October. It's about parallel structures. It's not strictly Bitcoin. There's going to be lots of different people there talking about lots of different things and different ways you can use your Bitcoin and leverage it and improve your life. So make sure you check it out. Again, links are in the show notes. More importantly, go stack some sats. Go right now. Just sign up to swanbitcoin.com forward slash bitten, especially if you're in the US because that gets you a free 10 bucks. Across Europe, it's relay.ch forward slash bitten. You can smash by and dollar cost average Swiss company doing great things. You can also use Coin Corner. They're based in the UK. You can set up Euro and Sterling accounts with them. They are a brilliant exchange. You can uh, spash by and uh dollar cost average euro cost average fiat cost average with coin corner danny and molly and zach and everybody else over there including dave from accounts big shout out shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten stack safely use the bitbox 02 bitcoin only edition hardware wallet 
make sure you are pilling your boomer friends and get them to put in 50 grand or more bitcoin reserve have them covered or you can stack up to a grand a day with them and in the us get to a bitcoinday.io conference hit the links in the show notes enjoy this rip right we're recording we're with based money the uh the 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 Chad that sent me some some Bitcoin mining machines to play around with. Thank you so much, brother. That's uh, that's amazing. I'm really looking forward into to, to falling down this rabbit hole and uh, rounding out my knowledge. But I got to be quiet because Lauren's here. Hi. Good afternoon, Lauren. No. Uh, so my question is, um, do, uh, do you like Bitcoin miners? No, I don't. I don't like Bitcoin miners. <laughs> They are uh, loud and hard to use and hard to get your hands on. And uh, they eat up a lot of electricity. They're expensive to run. Uh, You have to maintain them constantly. It's not like uh, your iPhone or, you know, like your laptop computer that just works. Uh, It's... um, it's, it's a lot of work. So the answer is no, I don't necessarily like the miners. Um, I like what they do for me, which is basically ending the central banking monopoly. So it, I don't necessarily like them, but I like what they do. And um, yeah, I'll stop there. <laughs> nice. So you just answered both of my questions. Oh, you did? Well, what was the other question? (laughs) What do you like about it? Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. um, Yeah, they're they're a means to an end, which is uh, just just stopping the clown show that we live in. It's Mm -hmm. uh, and you don't see the clown show necessarily unless you've um, spent time in it uh, for a number of years. You know, I think, Lauren, you're fortunate you sort of had the, you know, luxury of having your, 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 your dad, <laughs> who's based as, uh, as well, <laughs> and has fallen down the rabbit hole. And so, um, but once you, you know, once you've lived in this uh, sort of dystopian nightmare, and you, you realize what's available uh, without the um you know without the fiat monetary system and and a voluntary monetary system instead of a, a violent monetary system there's just so much more opportunity and um, and free time and uh you know you don't really understand the wage slavery system right now because you're a little too young but once you've worked in it you know for 10 or 20 years you and you don't really realize that you're in the wage slavery system either, unless you see uh, an alternative solution, which is what Bitcoin provides. And and the mining machines are sort of one component of that. The other component is the node that you know myself and I'm sure your father runs. Um, and then the third component is just people like us that opt into the system. So. I don't like the mining machine per se, but I like what it does. So, yeah. All right. That's a good you got, question. You got both your questions answered. Yeah. 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 Have you led, have you been led into any other questions or are you, are you all done? I'm all done. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, it's going to be an exciting journey when we get these things plugged in and, and start playing around with them. Yep. In a secret location. <laughs> in a secret vault. Uh, yep. Ten stories below the below ground. Exactly. Is a uh, manual Daniel. Manual Daniel, yeah. <laughs> What's that's that? my that's my um my my pseudonym around the house whenever whenever any DIY needs to be done. Even now, though he's ah. terrible at DIY. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not alone. Uh, I, I you could put me in that uh, club as well. Um, it's getting those machines up and running is not. It's really not all that difficult. I I must say I might be a little exaggeratory on on me not liking the machines it's just um part of the problem also was that i i bought them at the extreme top of the market when they were going for like three thousand dollars a machine or something like that and you know late 2017 early 2018 and um i just got completely wrecked in terms of the uh financial calculation on the machines so um uh, <laughs> but it's a, it's a love hate uh, for sure. <laughs> All right. What well, do you want to say goodbye? Yeah. Yep. See you. Bye. Thank you for answering my questions. Take it easy. Good to meet you, Lauren. Yeah. Nice to meet you too. All right, man. Well, before we um, before we go down the the road of home mining and the trials and tribulations, which uh, you you've already touched on, I guess we're all a sucker for a, a rabbit hole story. Uh, and like, uh, feel free to share as much as you're comfortable about, uh, you know, fiat life, uh, for you, because the plebs love to like connect with people that are in the same kind of trap or at least sector or kind of, um, business, uh, yeah, whatever you're comfortable sharing and, and, you know, what, what is fiat life and how do you intend to escape it and what led you to the rabbit hole, I guess. Yeah. Good question. Um, so I just got into Bitcoin in, in late 2017. As I mentioned, I sort of just fell down the rabbit hole pretty hard immediately. Um, I, I work in accounting. I have an accounting background. And uh, so I've um, been doing that for like 15 years now. And, uh, and uh, you know, one of my dreams is to get a farm and sort of just have a, you know, have a house uh, in the country with a farm, basically, and uh, uh, and so, you know, in the accounting world, you're not making a ton of money. So I was looking to find a way to get out of that, and so I'm looking in the stock market, trying to figure out a way to trade my way into millions, uh, and um, I just happened to be watching some Netflix. Um, Bitcoin show. It was like summer of 2017. And I didn't really think much of it. Fast forward to the fall of 2017. And um, I don't know what happened, Daniel, just out of the blue, something clicked in my head telling me to buy Bitcoin. So I look at the Bitcoin chart. And, uh, you know, I had been looking at the stock markets trying to get rich quick. So when I saw the chart, and I saw that it just peaked 2011. And when it came back down, it didn't go below the previous high. And it peaked again in 2013. And then when it crashed, it didn't go below the previous high. 
and I'm looking at the chart in 2017 and it's making another run. I thought, oh my God, this is amazing. This is my ticket out of this accounting world to the farm. So I just went all in. I literally <laughs> liquidated my 401k, uh, which wasn't much, but it was something. And, uh, you know, I just got done paying off my student student debt. So um, I, I just went all in. I just went all in basically at the top. And then, Ooh. yeah. And then, um, you know, at the time I had found Bitcoin Twitter. I found uh, Pierre Richard, the, the noted podcast with him and Bitstein. And um, I think Marty and Matt had their show coming online. Stefan was uh, doing his shows. All these guys were talking about this thing called hyper-Bitcoinization, right? And, uh, and I said, my God, this thing is not going to correct this time. We're going to the moon. <laughs> so I took all of my Bitcoin and bought mining machines at the top, at the absolute top, where you were paying, you know, plus 3,000 per machine. I just sold all my Bitcoin for mining machines, spent thousands of dollars on electricity, uh, setups, you know, and um, and the price proceeded to crash to 3,000 <laughs> from 20,000. So um, that didn't work out so well, but um, that's kind of how I got in and and it was that crash of, you know, that 2018 move from 20,000 down to 3,000 um, where I learned what it was that I actually bought and uh, why I'm still here. So that's kind of how I got into it. Man, did you, did you manage to stack many at all on, on the machines? Yeah, there was a period of time where I mean, I had quite a few machines plugged in and, um, did you, <laughs> Holy shit. yeah, I mean, just at home, what was the setup? Yeah. Yeah. Dozens of machines. Um, and, uh, I had a couple locations. So the thing was, I was living in Italy at this time mm -hmm. and I had like friends and family just um honestly when i think back on it i'm not sure why they listen to me but i would have them you know receive dozens of these miners like from china and i people are like zach you've got or or based money excuse me <laughs> <laughs> do you want me to cut that <laughs> that's all good man uh you've got um you know all these duties and and import costs you got to pay from china um, so, um, so, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy, partly because I was having like friends and family hook these things up and monitor them and run them while I'm in Italy, explaining to them, this thing's going to the moon. Uh, we're all going to be rich. Don't worry about the price falling. Um, and by the way, during that time frame, the hash rate was just exploding. So right. I wasn't the only one plugging machines in. If you look back, I think we were at like 10 exahash. Uh, we got to 100 exahash fairly quickly. So uh, if you know anything about the hash rate, uh, 
what that basically means is if you're if you're earning let's say one bitcoin a month you go down to earning 0.1 bitcoin a month which is a fairly significant change and then another thing i learned was because i was just doing sort of this home mining the electricity costs um they increase the more electricity you use it's a weird uh, market where <laughs> normally you get a break when you when you buy more of something but no they they increase your costs so i even had the electric company come out and hook up a new telephone like pole to increase my electricity uh i just daniel it was madness i was just uh a complete psychopath, like literally a complete psychopath, trying to get these machines hooked up with more electricity, more miners. Um, yeah, what a what a what an experience! Wow, I mean, <clears throat> did you also go down the shitcoin route, or were you just purely Bitcoin? No, not really. I I mean, not at all. The only reason I had um, any so. Um, I was buying from Bitmain and, um, you know, you could at that time, for whatever reason, they would only accept Bitcoin cash. Um, this was like right after the, um, you know, the block size war. Mm. And, and so Bitmain was accepting Bitcoin cash. And so I would have to go on to some shady, sketchy exchange where I would <laughs> deposit my Bitcoin <laughs> Uh, convert it to Bitcoin Cash, oh and then goodness. and then send it to you know some random Bitmain place and uh, pray that I would get miners. I, there was a, there was one instance where you know at that time there was these new miners coming online like um, oh gosh I don't remember the Dragon something or other and and then it, everything was just so shady you know so you would just send them your Bitcoin. And you may or may not receive your miners uh, three to four months or six months later. Um, but uh, so in terms of to answer your question, though, um, no, I, I mean, the only reason I ever had anything else was for that reason to, to buy the miners. Um, I mean, all you have to do is look at a chart of of any coin denominated in in Bitcoin. And it's it's takes about three seconds to realize it's it doesn't have any value at all. I mean, it has value to the extent that you might be able to pump it and dump it on somebody, but it's, um, and I feel a little bit bad for people that are not able to look at charts and, and see that. I guess part of that problem is if you're looking at a chart, you're probably not looking at it on a logarithmic uh, view and you're, and you're looking at it like in the normie world view. Um, which is um, not going to be useful. And you're probably denominating it in your local currency, whether it's dollars or euros or whatever. Um, but um, yeah, so no, there's there's just no value in these shit coins unless you are part of the group that's pumping it or maybe you're making money promoting it. You know, a lot of these promoters, they get paid quite a bit to just announce some name or tweet some name about some shit coin. So there's a lot of money for people to make in the industry. But what they're simply doing is just um, they're taking the, the fiat model that the government uses 
and <laughs> they're pumping it for their self, for themselves, paying themselves with it. And it's, it's you, you are the product. Uh, you are the, you were paying for it. So no, I, I don't get into those. It's um, quite obvious that they're, uh, it, if you're interested in, in escaping the fiat prison, they're not going to help you um, to the extent that they're a long-term um, tool for, you know, human good. Um, it's certainly a tool for getting rich and buying more Bitcoin if, if that's what you're into, but um, at what that's cost? Kind of... Like uh, your, your integrity, basically, that's the way I look at it. Uh, I've had numerous people did the most recent one. I, somebody contacted me like uh, NFT yachts or something. I can't yeah. remember, crypto yachts or something like that, where they're selling yachts in the metaverse uh, for like <laughs> super yachts in the metaverse for, for like ridiculous money. And I'm like emailing these guys back. I'm like, have you? actually ever listen to the show but you <laughs> you wouldn't be approaching me if you knew the shit i said about like nfts and freaking shit coins and all of this kind of stuff but they're just gonna approach as many people as possible just to try and find that in air quotes influencer to say something to shill their product to pump their bags and it's just so disgusting it's also fear yeah it's um it it is I don't know if you saw recently uh, Jack Dorsey's NFT of his first tweet. I yeah, think yeah, was, yeah, yeah. I did. That, that that was purchased or sold for millions, and then what was the highest bid was like under a thousand dollars for the resale. Um, my understanding is they, when I say they, I mean folks with um, a lot of coins, whatever they might be are using the NFTs to sort of uh, launder their, mo their money through. That's my understanding, um, which is cool. I mean, if, if that works for you and, and, and that's what you're trying to do, um, that's great. Um, it's just it's just scammy when you've been around Bitcoin for a little while. I mean, I haven't been around that long since 2017, but in 2017, what I saw was a lot of talk about ICOs. That was a really that was the topic in the same way that NFTs in the metaverse and, um, DeFi. Yeah. Pancake swaps and etc. cetera. Right. Um, so you, yeah, it's everybody pays a tuition. I like to say one way or another, whether that's buying at the top <laughs> <laughs> or buying some shit coin, you know, you're going to get wrecked somehow, or if you're not going to get wrecked then you're going to pay a tuition just in terms of, um, patience and, 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 you know, dealing with a bear market or, uh, a crab market or, <laughs> or whatever it might be. So, um, everything yours comes is, with a cost. Yours is pretty unique though, getting wrecked just by trying to enter the, uh, the Bitcoin home mining space. You, you, you were so early to, to that, uh, you know, that was, that's a move now. That's a movement I'm seeing emerge now on Bitcoin Twitter. And it's generally amongst people that have been around Bitcoin for, for a couple of years. But you were like, bam, I'm in, I'm all in, I'm all out buying mining machines. Like I've not heard this rabbit hole story before. I've, I've heard the shitcoiners getting wrecked and we've all learned and got our fingers burned. 
this is the first time I've heard about someone going all in on, on mining machines. So when let, let's, let's help people understand like the hash rate thing. So when the price is dropping, uh, clearly a bunch of people were doing the same kind of thing as you, or there were more mining companies coming online. I would probably hazard a guess. It wouldn't have been individuals like yourself. So you caught this, this period where, holy crap, it was a perfect storm because more Bitcoin mining companies are coming online, driving up the hash rate, which is driving up the the difficulty adjustment. Do you yeah. want to do you want to explain that to folks that are perhaps wondering, like, uh, you know, surely if you had the machines, you could have been mining the sats cheaply and getting more sats. It's just you know, this is the the beauty of the difficulty adjustment. Yeah, no, exactly. So there's um, a couple factors that go into your profitability in terms of, and when I say profitability, I'm speaking about having more Bitcoin. I mean, if you, if you're, if that's not your unit of account, um, you're, you're in the wrong, um, you're in the wrong business. Um, you, you got the wrong mindset, you know, you're still living in the fiat world. So anyways, profitability of mining is driven by your electricity cost, uh, the hash rate, and uh, obviously uh, the cost of the, the mining equipment. So what hash rate is basically uh, is an indirect measurement of the uh, amount of computing power that's in the network. And uh, so these mining machines are plugged in fighting for getting the next block, um, you know, they're they're dropping a random number into a hash to get enough leading zeros um, to um, to agree with the uh, the difficulty adjustment at that point in time, and um, and the reason that's done, if 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 uh, you know people listening don't know, um, the reason that the difficulty changes is because uh, the purpose of the difficulty adjustment is to maintain a a block time of 10 minutes. And the way that's done is every 2016 blocks, the protocol looks back to see that the blocks were spaced out every 10 minutes. If if they were coming in faster than every 10 minutes, well, what that means is there's more computing power online trying to identify the next uh, block in terms of the leading number of zeros for the hash. And so uh, another num another amount of zeros will be added to that to that difficulty to uh, make it more difficult to mine the next block and maintain that ten minute average. So that so the that's the difficulty, and from the difficulty you can sort of derive what the hash you know global hash rate is. Um, and so when the hash rate's going up your miners will simply have a smaller percentage of the of the mining reward. Um, and so when you're looking at profitability, you have to consider the hash rate in terms of its exponential increase. So uh, one of the things that really wrecked me was going online, doing my calculations and seeing that Okay, the hash rate is you know 10 exahash right now. So if it's 10, and I have this many miners, and 
this much electricity cost, then I'll have, you know, then I'll know this is my Bitcoin profitability. But what I did, what I failed to take into consideration there was just the, the psychopathic, just ravenous increase in hash rate <laughs> that, that occurs uh, after a bull run. And if you look back in history and if you look at where we're at now, the hash is just relentlessly increasing. What that means is there's folks that are just pouring in literally billions of dollars of new mining machines, plugging them in anywhere they can find to, to get these Bitcoin, these valuable scarce Bitcoin. And so I would just say to the sort of home miner interested in it, first of all, it's an awesome thing to get into. Um, but second of all, you have to you have to think about that hash rate in a exponential fashion. You can't look at it in a linear fashion. Um, you know, pull up the charts, do some, you know, run the numbers a little more closely. And I'm not suggesting to not get in it. I'm suggesting you should get in it. You should definitely get in it. If not just for the the, the coins themselves, but for the sovereign the sovereign coins, right? The non KYC coins, uh, and the fact that you're supporting the network too. Um, so um, yeah, so hash really gets you. And then the other issue is the electricity cost. So um, if you're doing a home mining operation and you're assuming you're running at, I don't know, let's say 10 cents kilowatt hour, maybe somewhere in that ballpark, I presume, uh, wherever you might be in the world, you know, to the extent you increase your electricity load, they're gonna raise the cost on you most likely doesn't matter where you are in the world, um, which is just the dynamics of the electric market and the grid itself. So if you're running it, if you do your calculation at Tencent and you think you can, you know, increase the load by some factor, you're probably going to be increasing your electricity costs from, let's say, 10 to 15 cents. So you have to figure that into your calculations as well. Um, and then the third cost as i mentioned was the the machine itself so if you're buying a state-of-the-art machine right now and you're paying a premium price um, you have to anticipate that that mining machine is going to be 10x cheaper in some short period of time i mean the the, the machines i bought at three thousand they you know they dropped to three hundred dollars you know not soon after maybe a year year and a half after i had purchased them so Whereas I was thinking in my calculations, because we're going to the moon right away, these mining machines are not going to lose value. And therefore, I might even be able to sell them at a profit in the future. So I had the hash rate wrong. I had the electricity cost wrong. And I had the mining machine cost wrong. And I guess the fourth thing was, uh, no, we're not going to go to the moon. This is not hyper-Bitcoinization. I, I love you, Pierre and Michael. Uh, but you, I got wrecked <laughs> listening to you guys saying that we're going to the moon. <laughs> uh, but it was my fault, so I, it's all on me. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll pause there. It's a great lesson for people coming in behind you, and you being an accountant. The, these are things you would have looked at closely, right? This is this is bread and butter mathematics to you. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. So. And as an accountant, I'm looking at things in a linear world. I'm not looking at them in the exponential world. 
and Bitcoin is this exponential beast that you have to respect. <laughs> and if you don't respect this thing, it will teach you some respect and humble you and you will find humility. You will either stay in it, find humility and you'll get humbled uh, or you'll or you'll cry and and explain to the world why Bitcoin is 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 um, not doing what it should be doing and you and that you're going to either fix it or that you're going to, you know, create a shit coin and, and, and make it better. Um, that's basically your three options, I think. So if you if you stick if you stick with it, if you have some amount of humility and um, you know understand that you're not necessarily the smartest person in the world, and uh, and if you you know listen to people that have been here and done that, um, you can you can save yourself from getting wrecked. Are you still running any of the machines or have you just switched them all off and, you know, can, can plebs buy them from you? What, what's, what's the state of play with you at the moment? Yeah. So I kind of have them on a shelf as uh, my own personal museum of, <laughs> of wreckedness. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm looking to plug in a couple just for, uh, like wintertime warmth and again non-kyc sats is cool i had them at the time they were plugged in slush pool um you know i think i heard recently there was somebody that uh mined a, a solo block which is pretty pretty cool that's another thing to think about is um if you are getting into the mining business um whether you're going to be doing it solo or going on a uh, joining a pool such as slush let's talk um, about that like what what's what's the best practice there for for just plebs that are plugging in a machine or two and just playing them around uh, and trying to ease their way in slowly and learn about this do do you just go straight into the pool or do you there's now services where you can sell your hash to gain like constant sats or do you try and mine that solo and get that six and a quarter bitcoin sweet straight into the uh, the non-kyc code card or something right yeah no exactly i think that if i were to plug all of them in right now i would i would certainly have um a small percentage let's say uh you know maybe five percent of the machines going solo just sort of for the fun of it and then um the rest of them plugged into a pool uh you know again slush for example and my understanding is, and I'm not at the state of the art um, bleeding edge of, of the mining industry by any means. Um, I have heard that there is work on some uh, some new code whereby um, the pools become decentralized in terms of how they're sharing their hash. And I don't really know exactly how that works. Something. I think it's called stratum. I'm not quite sure what it is, but that's something to look into. And then um, if my understanding is there's another company out there called Brains, which um, provides some some assistance with, with your hash and your machines. But I'm really not the guy to talk to about, you know, bet in terms of, you know, what's the state of the art in, in terms of mining and where to go. But 
that those are some general ideas. All right. So if someone's plugged in, they join Slush, uh, the idea being there's tens, if not hundreds of thousands of, of machines all under Slush Pool, all looking for the same uh, block and then sharing the reward if somebody finds uh, that, that block, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay, cool. Uh, the, um, the idea of trying to find a block by yourself, does that really stand up? What, I mean, <laughs> is this like, do you have any chance at all? I mean, it must be very, very small. Oh, it's, it's, it's infinitesimal. I mean, right. like it'd be, you, you could probably have a better chance of winning the lottery like five times in a row mm. than, finding a, than finding your own block. I mean, when we're talking about, so let's say you have uh, an S9. Okay, that's doing uh, maybe 14, 15 terahash on a good day. And the, the pool of hash that it's going up against is something like, I don't know what's the number 200 250 right hash. now i just looked hang on let, let's let, yeah let's have a look i've got bitbo up 207 excuse me 207 yeah so yeah and that's excess so what is an excess that's a that's a quintillion calculations per second um it's a big number that's a lot of zeros and <laughs> you're <laughs> so you know it's hard to appreciate the size of that number and it's so your your mining machine mining machine is like a drop in an ocean of of computing power. Um, it's and the block subsidy. That, the block subsidy right now um, is a quarter of a million dollars. It's bang on, like two hundred fifty thousand five hundred. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's a nice chunk of change to to, to yeah. win. Oh my goodness! Uh, yeah, exactly. It is. But seriously, it's it, you've got to be plugged into a a pool. There's there's no chance you're gonna get that. Yeah, I think that's probably a, a more fair way to to put it. You know, uh, no chance. That's that's probably a fair way to put it. Um, probabilistically, there is a possibility, but mm. it's basically zero. <laughs> it's <laughs> like that guy says, um, "Well, your money is basically gone." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the the South Park episode, uh, yeah, and the, it's gone. <laughs> the um, yeah, this this idea of selling your hash rate have, had you come across that? Was that around back then, or is that a, a new kind of thing that companies are playing around with? Yeah, I've heard about that. That's something I think newer. That um, well, I sh I shouldn't say necessarily newer. It it might have been around back uh, just a few years ago when I started, but. Um, yeah, that is something I've heard about more recently. Um, and then the other thing in terms of like remote hosting, where I think there's a, there's a couple of companies where you can send your miners to them and, and they'll plug them in and, and operate, you know, again, not, not your miners, not your coins, as far as I can tell on that sort of uh, approach, but I don't know. Um, but yeah, so I do have a bunch of miners sort of uh, collecting dust I, you know, I suppose if somebody wants to DM me, uh, you know, that's cool. We can work out something. Well, it's a way to stack some sets, I suppose. Um, I'm sure there's lots of plebs out there that'd be interested to, to get their hands on some to, to, to play around. And, and thank you so much for listening to the show and, uh, and sending some over so I can, I can 
get my my hands dirty um we will we will figure out a, a way to uh, to send some sats back your way if we can get them working let's let's fingers crossed let's hope it all works out so yeah right you, on. maybe <clears throat> maybe you come you, maybe you become that um that guy that uh is the go-to guy for the machines and uh, just receives sats uh, in return over a certain amount of time. You, you never know. Like uh, Bitcoin is a, or an inventive bunch. There's 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 ways you can uh, you could play this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and you know, there's some non-KYC coins for me. So yeah. In, any day you can you you have more sats than you started with is a good day. For sure. <laughs> Are you just nowadays just mining with fiat, uh, using the fiat job to uh, you know get as much as he can and get that into Bitcoin as quick as you can? Is that is that the road to uh, freedom for you now? Yeah, I um, I just uh, mine fiat like a psychopath every day, <laughs> and uh, you know it's interesting. After the 2018 crash of just getting destroyed. Um, and really understanding what Bitcoin is trying to accomplish, um, which is sort of supplant the, the current monetary system. Um, things change, right? You, you sort of take a new focus, um, work becomes better and easier to some extent. Um, there's, a, there's a real goal in mind. Um, there's a bright orange future, there's hope. You know, all the cliches that you hear nowadays are really, are really true. Um, you know, you start eating better and, you know, exercising more and, you know, relationships improve. Um, it's just, um, it's really phenomenal to be on a Bitcoin standard. And it's interesting when you hear people talk about, you know, the clown world out there with the lockdowns and the, the, the nuclear wars and the, the alien invasions and the, the oceans boiling, etc. When you're on the Bitcoin standard, um, it's just there. There's times where you want to, um, you know, pull out the heavy artillery. But aside from those days, uh, it's pretty chill and uh, a nice, a really wonderful existence. Uh, it just really changes your outlook on life and you realize that everything is in your own control. Um, you are sort of your own uh, master of your future. Um, you really are a king or a queen and a pleb at the same time. <laughs> it's just a beautiful thing. It's, it's really a beautiful thing. And, um, you know, it's something that we're all willing, I think, to basically not just die for, but to live for. You know, uh, it really changes your perspective on life. I, you know, recently, and I'm going on a tangent here, but if you don't mind, Daniel, I please just go on about this. I've sort of recently come to the opinion that I don't have the vitriol that I had with the central banking uh, folks. Um, if you think about like what a rational person would do in a situation where they they have a they think they have they believe they have a mandate to protect their country and uh, their law and their order that they have in place and the institutions that they grew up with etc 
it's rational to print money for yourselves and your constituents to, in support of that institution. And similarly, uh, another country is going to want to do the same thing. And, and if you don't strengthen and secure your borders uh, at the nation state level, another country is going to going to squeeze up and try to take away uh, your share of border. And you see that today with NATO and, and Russia. It, this, this isn't a, this is, this is precisely driven by the, the fiat inflationary monetary system. Um, and um, it's, it's, it's harder to see that if there is no alternative. Um, but once you see that there's an alternative solution to that uh, dynamic, at first, you know, the, the first reaction is, gosh, you guys are idiots. This is, this is barbaric and, and, and silly and, and, and you know, regarded, highly regarded activity. <laughs> but, but then after some time of, of, you know, having some humility for your human fellow human beings that are in those situations, in those positions of power with that, with those mandates, you can sort of appreciate their situation and circumstance that if they don't inflate their monetary base in order to strengthen their borders, uh, they are going to allow the other countries to, imp you know, uh, come into the borders you're going to break down, have a breakdown of your customs, your law and orders. And so in a strange way, they are in a position that they're forced to inflate their monetary base in order to finance uh, the militaries that enforce those borders. Um, thank God we have Bitcoin now where, you know, as Hayek says, this is that sly ride a uh, sly roundabout way to basically siphon off that inflation um, that's going on within every country uh, in, in an equitable way, such that I think Safedine has it correct when he says, you know, it might be the case that as the, as the debt bubble comes down, the, the fiat um, money declines equally such that there's a controlled demolition of the fiat system uh, as it siphons off into the, into the Bitcoin system. I, I think he might have that right. I think there's obviously going to be some flare-ups here and there. I mean, you can see, again, U Ukraine as an example of this, but... Um, I think over time, you have a situation where the, the fiat inflation just is siphoned into this Bitcoin system. And um, it's a way for the current institutions to have a graceful exit. Um, you know, they can't, what I'm getting at here is, I think it's useful for us as a Bitcoin community to hand them an olive branch, you know, on one hand, they have to lie. They can't go to the public and say, yes, we have to steal from you in order to fund our militaries because nobody's going to, you know, it's a, 
was it Henry Ford or gosh, I don't know who somebody said, you know, if they understood the way the banking system works, they'd revolt the next day. Uh, so they have to perpetuate a lie if they understand the way the situation is. And, and that's the terrible situation that they're in. I mean, imagine the kind of uh, feelings you would have if you wake up every day knowing that you have to blatantly lie to everybody. And I mean, what a I mean, I, I have a terrible existence doing my fiat mining job. My job is basically to make sure the guys with the guns collect from the guys that are profitable. It's, it's just an insane job that I do. It's just it's madness, complete madness. It's, it's worth zero. Uh, if you if you understand the alternative solution, which is Bitcoin. So just to, to summarize and sort of close off my rant here, what I'm trying to say is that I think we could do ourselves some good by taking the higher road, demonstrating and understanding that they're in a terrible position now, that they've, it's the best technology. Inflation was the best technology available until Bitcoin. And so, you know, we could demonstrate the higher ground here and offer the higher path um, by saying to these folks, we understand you're in a terrible situation. We understand that you can't be honest. Um, this is the solution. And, and I think Yellen recently in one of her speeches last week sort of is sharing that I think she understands that I think there's folks that have spoken to her in the way that I'm talking now. Um, and I think they're understanding that, that this is the, this is the way it's going to play out. Interesting. Yeah. Imagine getting those guys in a room and saying all of the exhausting lies that you've been telling for your whole career can stop. You don't have to do that anymore. And this is the way that we do it. Uh, and, you know, to your point, this is why to ask Bitcoin is so inevitable because we know that the trapped, we know they have to keep printing and this is the only thing they can do. And yeah, to show empathy, I suppose you would like to think that they're not all lizards as they get caught <laughs> and that perhaps there is an ounce of humanity in there. And even if, you know, the most sociopathic ones that are in charge that seem more than more than happy and content to lie, like Lagarde. I'll call her out because uh, having having been found guilty of embezzling over four hundred million euros uh, to be, you know, relieved of her post from the IMF instead of facing charges, instead of pay, uh, facing uh, jail time, instead of facing fines, to then be elevated to the head of the ECB it is beyond nonsense. Like so. It's it's yeah. Well, but, so I, if I may, um, and and this is a great point, which is that there is no doubt um, a large group of lizard people, uh, Lagarde, Schwab, um, this crazy guy talking about people being useless, <laughs> etc. Um, oh yeah, like, Yeah, there you go. Yes, mm. exactly. Uh, there's a large number of lizard people. Don't, don't get me wrong. But what I'm suggesting is that uh, we can take the higher moral ground by demonstrating to them, we understand you're lying. You may not understand you're lying, or maybe you do understand you're lying, but 
we're offering you a peaceful way out of your lies. And you can either demonstrate to the world that you accept that yes, this, this was the, the best solution we had and this is a better solution, or you can take the mask off and show it to the world. And if you wanna you know, refuse the good solution, everybody's gonna see that. So in other words, yeah, it's, it's easy to call them out for, for the lying, cheating people that they are, but a subtle shift in approach could be one where we say, you know, maybe you, we understand that you had to lie and, and it, it was for the good of everybody and we understand that and we're approaching you now um, as a way of, you know, uh, repenting, if you will, or, or, or uh, being forgiven of, in other words, like, you know, holding them to a, uh, in fact, elevating them and saying to them, you know, you did an amazing job. The fact that you had to lie constantly, it must have been terrible for you. Um, what an amazing heroic effort you did. Um, we want to relieve you of your honorable duty. Um, and we welcome you into the Bitcoin community. And they can either, so there's two options. They can either say, no, um, I like lying and I don't like your fair open system. And if they do that, then the mask is off and, and they show their true nature to the world. Or they can say, thank you, you're right. I didn't have any other way. This is um, obviously a much better technology. This is a much more, much superior solution, um, I'm on board with you. So I think if we can present it sort of in that way, um, it's, I think it, it just demonstrates to another degree or another angle, the superiority of this system and the people that are in it in terms of a moral and ethical intelligence. You toxic psychopath, you. <laughs> With with your uh, with your with your empathy and uh, level headedness, uh, this is. I'm sure, that, like you said, someone's been in Yellen's ear. Um, there, yeah, there's hope with Gensler, even though he's towing the line and the narrative of ESG and pushing all of that nonsense, scammy bullshit as well. But we know he understands Bitcoin, um, and hopefully, he can really curtail what's going on in, in the world of shit coins uh, by, you know, labeling them as a security. So there is hope in these circles that we can reach the right people. We've seen a few countries trying to follow the lead of, of Bukele, which is also great to see. Uh, but it's a long road ahead. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's fine. We all have a low time preference. And we do know that it is inevitable. So anybody that's listening, that's a question actually I have for you. you. You said earlier you didn't realize what you're holding. And I wonder how many people, even listening to this show now, how many people are holding Bitcoin, maybe even uh, moved it onto a hardware wallet. If you're doing the right thing, please, listeners, do that if you haven't. Still don't fully understand what they're holding. It took me ages ages yeah yeah if you're not looking at your bitcoin like um the most valuable asset in the world 
um, if you don't understand it as a Mona Lisa or as uh, a Statue of Liberty or as, um, gosh, I don't know, the Grand Canyon or, um, you know, Manhattan or it's, um, or if you want to think about it in fiat terms, you know, we're at, I don't know, 40,000, as everybody says, it's a rounding error. We say that because it is. Um, we're, we're basically, I, I feel it just in terms of price and um, thinking back to 2018, 2019, around $3,000, $4,000. I sort of feel like we're kind of in that. Um, I, we didn't necessarily get that pop this cycle. And when I say cycle, I'm talking between the halvings, obviously. Um, for those that don't know, you know, the, the cycles of Bitcoin um, create a wholly new asset. In other words, what happens is because of the supply schedule of Bitcoin, where uh, the new supply is cut in half every four years, uh, every 210,000 blocks, that new supply schedule creates a new asset. And so if you look back to the first four years um, and then the, the second four years, 2012 through 2016, and then the third four years, uh, 2018 through 2020, um, it was a different asset then from what it is now. When we have the next halving, which is going to happen approximately May 2024, we're going to go from 900 new coins a day to um, 450 new coins a day. What that does is it is it creates a new type of asset. So you have to look at this Bitcoin thing um, on a cycle by cycle basis. And when you do that, you can see that the price is at a completely different range within each of those four years. And the reason for that is purely supply driven economics. Um, and so after May, 2024, this asset is gonna be looked at entirely differently. Um, it's hard for our human brains to understand that because there's never been something that was pre-planned to have a certain new supply schedule, no matter how much demand was there, no matter how much hash power goes into this thing, there's only gonna be 450 new coins created every day um, in about you know two years from now. And what that's gonna do with the price, well, it's effectively gonna double the price at, at, at a minimum but it's gonna do much more than that because as the price rises, there's more demand. It's this Veblian good, uh, so to speak. Um, and so, you know, when we're, when we're trading at, you know, plus 100,000, plus $200,000 per coin, people are gonna treat this asset completely differently um, in a way that we might not even quite be able to grasp necessarily. The, the dialogue and, and language of, of how we, explain what Bitcoin is, it sort of changes. It, it, it takes what we already know about it and it adds another layer. So in the next four years, you're likely going to have more 
you could have more countries talking about them owning it. Um, and so it, it, it just becomes a bigger part of the world every four years as that supply diminishes and the scarcity of it becomes realized. And so people talk about having, you know, thousands of coins and buying pizzas with them. You know, thousands of coins is a, a beyond tremendous numbers. I mean, if you have even one Bitcoin at this point in time, that's a tremendous amount of Satoshis. You're talking about 100 million sats. It, you, you can you can sort of think about the price in terms of sats to dollars parity, where a hundred million sats is equivalent of a hundred million dollars. Um, we're going to be there in terms of purchasing power sooner than people realize. It might be in the next four years. It might be in the following four years. But certainly within I think a ten year time frame, we're going to have that sat dollar parity, purchasing power parity. Obviously, we're going to have inflated prices uh, in the future, but you can sort of think about set dollar parity now as a benchmark of, of, of the value you have. So when I'm when I'm buying things and, and pricing it in sats, that's a really nice way to grasp the, the magnitude. And I wouldn't be surprised, Daniel, uh, you know this as as well as I as I as anybody. Um, we are going to probably go much higher than that, and it's hard to comprehend um, what that means and and just how that shapes our world and in our attitudes around this asset. But it's more than the asset, right? As as uh, Mahler's recently said, there, there's this network that we really haven't begun to understand fully the value of it. Um, I think we basically have legal tender sats in the, in, uh, in the US now with the, with the collaboration of the Lightning Wallet uh, network. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a bright orange future for sure. One thing that's going to turn people's heads upside down is this idea, like we've been stacking away as much as we can. And like you said earlier, it's a good day if your, you've, your, your stack is higher than it was the day before. We've been so used to this. We've been conditioned. Like every day you've got your DCA going or every week, whatever it is, however you're mining, fiat for Bitcoin. You just want your stack to be higher than it was the day before. At some point over the next 10 years, the reverse is going to happen because we're going to have the the merchants come online like Mallers announced just recently. And you're going to be actually able to spend your sats for the things that you need, that you, that you value and you want. So you're going to get to this point where each day your stack is going down, but your purchasing power is still going up. And we've never been in that situation before. Yeah. Um, no, it's going to be, it's going to be bonkers for sure. The, you know, if you look at the sh this shape of this curve of the price, I, I keep going back to the price because it's a good measure of, of where we're at in terms of adoption and, and, and the value of this. Um, and, and you see sort of these diminishing returns right now, but at, at some point, because we're only at 
2%, 3% saturation in terms of global adoption. We're gonna go from 2% to 10% to 50%. And, and the value of the Bitcoin is going to go up so quickly and violently, um, it's going to look like it did back in 2011, those sort of price appreciations. So if you're on the sidelines right now thinking about, should I get in at 40,000? Should I get in at 30,000? I can tell you, uh, I have been aggressively getting new loans, personal loans, borrowing from friends, uh, from any place I can at 5%, 10%, 15%, 20% uh, interest rates and aggressively accumulating. Um, where we're going is, um, is places that people, even people that are in the community don't fully grasp. And um, boy, you wanna get yourself a position yesterday. And if you can't do it yesterday, do it today, you know, um, and I, I preface that I want to also add to that. It's, it's critically important that you don't get yourself in a position where you're leveraging your Bitcoin and, you know, we get a price drop for whatever reason, you know, the Fed stops printing money, credit markets collapse, uh, liquidity crisis and, and Bitcoin drops to 20,000. Who knows? It's possible. And in those situations, you might get margin called and lose your Bitcoin. And, you know, there's going to be a V recovery in Bitcoin and you're never going to get your position back. So it's critically important in these sort of transition years before that exponential spike up that you're positioning yourself in a way that you, you're prepared for a, a downside liquidity crunch. And, you know, you've got cash flow from a job that you can cover expenses. But boy, you want to be stacking a like a psychopath right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. thinking about, you know, it's great for a sailor to be in his position to be able to issue that debt. Uh, you know, he's got the trust now of, of the, the, the big players out there. How could you do that on a micro scale? And you've just nailed it. Like you can do it with friends. If, you, if you're sitting out there and thinking, how do I get my hands on more cash and still service the debt? Well, then, you know, go to your friends who you still can't orange pill or your mom and dad or your brother or your sister and offer them anywhere between five to 20%. Like at what point they will have a price where they will part with five, 10, 15, 20 grand. And whether it's 5% or 10% or 15%, find the sweet spot and you can service that loan just by mining your fiat. 100%. Set up a five-year plan with them. Get your little Excel schedule out, you know, print it out, handshake agreement. You're good for it. They know you're good for it. It's money for them that they're not going to get some other way. You know, these, these micro loans that you're doing peer-to-peer uh, -peer are, are the way to go. Um, you're going to make good for it. If you've got a good job, I mean, you've got a stable job, do it. Um, I don't care if it's credit cards, if it's uh, home equity lines, you know, if you've got to work a second or a third job, if you have chairs in your house, <laughs> etc. <cetera. laughs> but no, really, if you have an extra vehicle that you don't need, or you can do without one, or, you know, you've got an expensive vehicle that you could maybe sell and buy a cheaper one, 
Um, look at your insurance setups, look at every cost you have, figure out a way to reduce that cost and push it into your DCA. You really need to be aggressively buying at these prices. And if you're sitting on the sidelines, goodness gracious, just, just stop. You, you, you don't understand what, what this thing is apparently, um, and you're not going to make it. Very well said. Have you thought about as well, are you looking actively to, to land yourself a, a Bitcoin role uh, as these more and more companies come online, that there's roles, it's not just software developers and stuff that people are looking for. You know, there's at Bitcoin of jobs on Twitter that are putting out different roles all the time. There's another way for normies uh, that are on the sidelines to perhaps get hired from, you know, the, for example, Coin Corner were looking for office manager, just an office manager because they have a physical location, they're an exchange. There is a way for us or for people that are yet to start stacking Bitcoin to find themselves in a stacking position. Have you, have you actively looked uh, for, uh, at companies? I'm sure they'd need accountants some of these places or CFOs or whatever. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I have somewhat of a a good position in terms of my current fiat job, but I would certainly um, be looking at Bitcoiner jobs if I was in a position where I just couldn't work another day at my job, my fiat job, because I've got fiat bosses and, and fiat clients who are just, let's be honest, they're, they're the majority of the time, they're just shitty people because they're in a shitty situation without any hope for the future. Um, you know, when we interact with Bitcoiners, uh, it's just positivity. I mean, I, I was not in Miami, but I saw the, you know, the energy is just amazing. Um, and that's how it is. You know, I've got a, a couple close friends around me here that we joke about our fiat jobs um, in the sense that it's, you know, it's brutal for if you if you don't have this Bitcoin backstop in your life. Um, and so I would highly encourage anybody that's looking to if, if you're on the verge of quitting your fiat job um, and you're going to not be able to DCA anymore, look into a Bitcoin job um, that you'll probably love. You'll be working with wonderful people, no doubt about it. And you'll probably be able to do some more DCA. Because, boy, you don't want to take your foot off the gas. I'm telling you, I remember Tone Vase telling, uh, you know, his audience in some 2017 YouTube video, he said his biggest regret was stepping out of the fiat binds too soon. So I just highly encourage, and I, and I took that to heart. And so that's why I, I grind away every day. Um, but um, if, if there was ever an instance where, you know, if you're out there and you're thinking about whether you're on the fence to, to quit your fiat job, just figure out a way to continue to stack sats because we're in a golden area era of, of stacks of sta stacking sats. And, and you really need to continue doing that at this point in time. It's, it's, it's going to pay off tenfold and then some in a short period of time that much. I'm, I, I'm fairly certain of. Couldn't agree more. Heads down, plebs. Keep your feet 
firmly on the ground and just stack away as much as you can. And there are different ways to do it. You can get, a, you know, if you're using one of these uh, services like Swan, for example, just ping your referral link around as much as you can. Like that, that's just another easy way to do it. Uh, Coin Corner, same thing in the UK. They've got a referral link. Go and set up your own referral link. Share that with friends or family. You never know how much that's going to pay you back in the, in the long run. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've got probably half uh, of the firm I work for orange pilled at this point in time. Well, so, done. I mean, there's, there's a large number of people that are, that are DCAing. in fact, through Swan and, and other services. Um, I, I've got a, a sort of a weekly newsletter I send out to, you know, a, a group of people keeping them up to date, letting them know where we're at. So whatever you can do, right. Whether you're, just getting in or or you've been in the space for a while you know be the source of positivity inspiration knowledge sharing teach them about getting your coins off exchanges you know you want to hold the keys um, ultimately you want to be running your own node verifying your own transactions um, this thing is not stopping it, it we're just getting started you know, at, at a $40,000, $30,000 price right now, it's we're basically at zero. It, it sounds crazy if you're looking at that price. You, you can buy $5 worth of Bitcoin right now, and you need to be. Um, it's just, we're so, so early. It's, uh, boy. And if you're getting in right now, um, you can consider yourself fortunate. We're sort of in the bottom of this market. Maybe we go lower, and if we do, gosh, lucky you. You know, that's just cheaper cheaper sats you can pick up. So what a wonderful time to be in Bitcoin. And there's so many great resources. Dana, your podcast is just phenomenal. Uh, you know, there, and there's so many out there. Uh, Breed Loves What Is Money is another great one. Uh, Sailor just did a four-hour with Lex. I don't know if you you caught that yet, but that's a, just phenomenal. Yeah. phenomenal the discussion um we're going up from here so and we're going up in an aggressive fashion so you know get on board or get run over really one last thing uh about the mining that you were talking about earlier and the difficulty adjustment changing every 2016 blocks and i had a tip to a pleb that pointed this out to me and I, i'm blanking on the name but have you ever like reverse those numbers so you've got 2016 but reversed you've got 6102 <laughs> oh that's phenomenal so for those that i didn't know that till you just said that for those that don't know 6102 is the executive order boy there's so many easter eggs in this thing isn't there it's got to be an easter egg hasn't it yeah that's that's phenomenal gosh the that's so cool. your little beauty <laughs> what a clever son of a bitch <laughs> holy cow yeah um yeah i mean it coincides with the birth dates too right when it became legal again uh 6102 is when uh, roosevelt outlawed gold in the united states that's the number of the executive order um and 2016 is the number of blocks um uh, which is every two weeks when the mining difficulty is adjusted um boy that's that's phenomenal 
there's a, I heard about one recently too. So October 31, he released the white paper, which was when, uh, when, um, uh, homeboy, what's his name? Martin Luther nailed uh, up his 95 theses. And then there's the January 3rd date. And then uh, what happened? It was, um, um, gosh, it was, he waited six or seven days and then he rested on the seventh day to mine the first Bitcoin, something like that. I don't know. There's a lot of Easter eggs out there in the Bitcoin the theology, if you will. Yeah, they're great fun to find. Uh, okay, cool. Mate, is there anything we haven't talked about that you wanted to uh, to get across to the plebs before I ask you the final question? I mean, just, you, you know, I would just say on Twitter, there is at times some, it, it's an amazing resource. Um, having said that, it's important, I think, to check yourself in terms of like not getting caught up in the vitriol that's out there. There's, there's psyops everywhere. There's psyops within the Bitcoin community, just as much as there are in, in the fiat clown world. And, you know, um, just stay positive and stay Zen. You know, we've already won. If, if you're in the Bitcoin space, you already won. Um, so, you know, act like it. Yeah. Nice shout. All right. If you had one orange pill left to give to somebody, who would you give it to and why? Uh, I'd give it to my wife because that's just an everyday pain in my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the meme I put out yesterday of the, no, uh, the, I... couple, the couple in bed together and they're kind of laying back to back and she's looking at him all nasty. And so it's like, I bet he's thinking about Miami again. And he's, oh. he, he's like laying there with like a worried look on his face. Uh, and I, the caption I put under him was, um, how do I explain inflation better to her? <laughs> yeah, you nailed it 100%. That's exactly right. I would, yeah, the orange bill goes to her. Um, I got her to buy in at the top. And let me tell you how many late night conversations there was in 2018 where it was brutal. But um, she's coming along slowly. She's got her DCA in place only because I'm nonstop discussing it. But um, yeah, I would want to orange pill her. Um, she's not quite there yet, but uh, she'll get there. The struggle is real. It really is because so many plebs out there are, are facing this problem. And I, I see it a lot as well in the, the, the other community in which I spend a lot of time and effort and trying to add value to people is in like the alternative education space, you know, get any kids out of state education. And yeah. I do get a lot of feedback from, from Bitcoiners now uh, saying, shit, man, I see it and I can't unsee it. And I need, I don't want to do it, but red pilling the misses on, on, on education is, is a real, real tough one. So there's a lot of plebs that are struggling with the orange and now the red pill of, of education system. And it's, uh, yeah, empathy. Yeah, um, a whole lot of empathy and a whole lot of patience. If you think about it from their perspective, I think um, somebody said it well. There's, there, there's a logic in, a, in our brains where rather than 
verify, you know, one way to verify is to look at the facts. Another way to verify is to look at the number of people around you that are doing something. And that's sort of a, a, a shortcut hack. And so that's, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, that's how we're designed. And it, it just, it saves on doing all the mental calculation. And so some folks use that uh, methodology where, well, all these people are doing it, so it must be good, you know, but no, you're, you're actually putting your children in a place where, uh, where they don't have your best interest in mind. By definition, they're funded by a state machine that by definition is required to lie to you um, to take your money so that they can maintain the, the current laws and orders that they have in place. And until you, if you're not able to see that because you're operating on this um, logic system of, well, this is what the majority of people in my circle are doing, therefore it's good. If, you know, if you're operating on that sort of a logic, um, it's tough, it's, it's challenging and it takes a lot of patience. And, but if you understand that that's the mechanism, then you can also understand that with patience and time and you know, education, like you provide um, explaining, pointing these things out. And it's just, you know, we got to be better propagandists at what we're telling people than they are. And, you know, the more we do it and, uh, uh, you know, the more examples we can demonstrate of the horrors that go on in these alternative, I call them, you know, brainwashing camps, um, you know, we'll get there. It's just, again, a lot of empathy, a lot of patience. Um, we're on the right side of history on all these things. So um, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. I, I like to say, observe the masses and do the opposite. Um, I, I read that in a book once by uh, James Kahn, uh, but I'm sure many people have said it before him. Um, yeah, the masses are a great reverse indicator. You know, that's uh, if you just step back and look, like you said, like, what is everyone doing? What does everyone believe? I mean, well, that's collectivism. There you go. It's that's exactly what it is. And that's exactly what the state education system is there to breed. And when you see it through that lens, you, you know, it, it opens up such a, a different mindset. And then you can really start. We talk about parallel structures, obviously, Bitcoin being a, uh, a financial parallel structure and us opting out of that. And then what it does to your mind, it, it gets you thinking, like you said earlier, about food, about health, about education, about everything. And when you see that mass, critical mass of just people doing the same thing, just because, just because that's the done thing, you're like, hmm, red flag up let's uh what, what would the uh, the complete opposite look like and how would that work and how can we build that so yeah we're fascinating times ahead for sure yeah no again we're, we're really at um sort of a, a golden era of initial adopters and so um th this bitcoin thing is the base monetary layer of all of that of you know, learning about how to educate better. What is education? And, you know, when you talk about, I mentioned at the, the opening, the wage slavery that we're in, it's hard for people to understand the amount of time we spend doing things that 
we otherwise wouldn't need to do if our if prices weren't inflating away from us because of the expansionary monetary policy, because they have to do that to maintain laws and orders. Um, so yeah, um, a 40 hour work week is something that's not necessary in a, in a uh, highly evolved society such as ours. I mean, I'll give you a quick example and um, we, wrap this up, Daniel. Um, the example I like to use is it used to take a village to plant a wheat field, harvest that wheat, make a loaf of bread. Today, a, a robot tractor on GPS can plant, harvest, produce tens of thousands of loaves of bread at effectively zero cost. And yet we're still paying five, six, ten dollars for loaves of bread. You know, why is that? You, you have to ask yourself if you, and once you understand the reason for that, which is purely an inflationary debt based monetary system, once you understand that and you realize the actual cost of that bread is about zero cents and you realize, wait a second, so I actually don't need to work a full day to buy that bread. I actually you know, might need to do. 10 minutes of work, um, then you realize that you, you really don't need a 40 hour work week to cover all your costs. You know, you, you maybe need a, a four hour work week to cover your costs in a, in a deflationary um, balanced monetary system that, that, that coexists with improving technologies rather than fighting it. Jeff Booth nails it so perfectly on this point. Yeah. And once you, pull all these threads together, you realize um, we've got just such a bright future ahead of us. And, you know, we're just going to relentlessly um, push the narrative here because it's a far superior technology that we have to, this, to operate on this new system. And this is where your man Harari would turn around and say, well, if those days are coming, this is dystopia because what are we going to do with all the bored, useless people? And, yep. you know, these, these psychopaths that are in the ears of, of some of the, you know, like uh, apparently he's got the ear of Klaus Schwab. Uh, and then you, you know, they, they, they truly believe in like eugenics and societal control and all of that. Whereas what Bitcoiners believe is if we can free people up and give them that time, I can't imagine the possibilities, you know, giving people the space and time to think about life, philosophize find what it is they love, excel at the thing that they do. It's just going to take us into a whole new stratosphere of, of opportunity and abundance. So to play devil's advocate and, um, and um, sort of advocate for this Harari psychopath, I would make the argument that he has a framework of the inflationary debt-based system that we live in is the only available technology. It's the best technology that we currently have. And therefore, with that as the given, we will have all these quote unquote mindless, useless people that we need to do something with. You know, and 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 there you go, start thinking about, well, the, the population is too high and, and we're destroying the planet. And you know, if you think the population is too high, what you need to be thinking about is you, we've pulled so much of the future 
forward with our debt-based inflationary policies that you know, there, there might be a lot of instances where you have more food than you otherwise would have had and therefore more people than you otherwise would have had had you not had that inflationary. So there's there's huge costs that have not yet been tabulated. I mean, Saif does a great job in, in the fiat standard where he's, you know, begins to, and he did this at his talk at Miami, by the mm -hmm. way, that was a phenomenal 20 minute discussion on the, yep. the actual costs of the fiat system. And it, and it goes further, right? So if you look at the just the tremendous population being fed on cheap foods from money that was pulled forward from the future vis-a-vis -vis the debt-based inflationary system, you can sort of give this psychopath a, a break from the perspective of, yes, if if that is your world and you don't see this new alternative tech, which he very well might not have seen yet, and or if you're just so committed to it, um, again, I I want to stress the the, 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 the the empathy side of things where if you don't see the alternative new, this new brand new tech, and by the way, this, this technology is so fundamentally different from the it's it's just a it's not even a 180 it's just out of a different universe new technology so i almost don't blame these people for their just horrific takes because they're they're trapped in this rat eat rat system and so you're gonna talk about people in that way because it, it it's it's just such a horrific environment and 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 um it's hard to see that in the in let's say the western world where you have this nice cushy life uh, where you're working 40 hours but you're working 40 hours a week and by the way probably your spouse is working 40 hours a week too just to cover costs and that's in the best situation you know at least we don't have our, our kids uh, working in uh, uh lithium mines or wherever nonstop to for the green new future but again just to summarize here, um, I I want to give I want to I think it's useful and a useful exercise to to have that um, higher road approach. You know, be empathetic to these psychopaths because they're they're trapped in this horrific system, and you can see how horrific it is just by seeing these people talk and other people accepting that point of view. Um, the, the, the premise here is that you can somehow know um, what somebody should be doing with their life. And that is by definition false. A good friend of mine always says, um, you can't know what is good for me because you can't know what I want, what I, my, my preferences are. Therefore, you can't govern me. I, I barely know what I want to do when I wake up in the morning uh, on my day off. How can you know what I want to do or what's best for me? And so, um, anyways, um, but yeah, I'll stop there. That was a great rip. I really appreciate, like I said, uh, sending over the machines. I'm really looking forward to, to getting into them. Uh, where can people find you if they want to reach out? It's just straight in the DMs? Yeah, yeah, hit me up. Um, I think I'm my Twitter's uh what is it at base of at money tech. At, at the money tech I've got. Yep, yeah, yeah. Hit me up. Uh I've got, you know, I got a few S9s if uh 
we can work out shipping costs and things like that. No big deal. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty easy. <laughs> right. That's awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on and sharing all of this. The most empathetic Bitcoiner I think I've, I've had on. It's uh it's a, it's a very, yeah, it's a very uh, ethical stance to take. And one, I'm sure many of us probably need to take on board as well and, and at least think about. Bro, if, if I could just say this, I would be the first, I am the first guy in line, okay, that, that wants to get violent on these psychopaths. I mean, I would lead the charge, Daniel, okay? I, I, <laughs> I have a, a, a tremendous hatred for, for the policies they have in place and for those people that push those policies. Having said that, I also, because I have that capacity, I also have the capacity to be, uh, have some humility for my fellow human and understand that they're a human just like I am. And in the same way that I'm voraciously pushing Bitcoin, if, if I was in that fiat world, I, I would be pushing the, the fiat, these fiat ideas just the same. So. You have to have some, Bitcoin is the great teacher. It, it offers humility that you never realized you had. And uh, yeah, so thank you so much, Daniel. I, I really appreciate the, the, the time speaking with you. It's been, it's really been wonderful. You, you just nailed the title right at the end of the line. The, the last thing you said, Bitcoin is the great teacher. That's gonna be the, uh, the title of the show. Excellent work. Awesome. Nice, wonderful talking with you, Daniel. And uh, I wish you luck in your mining endeavors. I'll be in touch. Thanks. Thanks again, brother. Take care. All right. Well, there you go, plebs. What a guy. Had the money tech. Telling it like it is. Uh, oh, man, I feel so bad that you got so wrecked back in the day there. Um we've all been there before uh so that's why we do these podcasts that's why we have these interviews for those people if you're class of 2022 or if you're class of 2021 and you've not been wrecked yet you've not had that that bitcoin haymaker out of left field just come and you know knock you off your perch it's it's either coming or just listen to us and do not shitcoin, do not sell your Bitcoin, do not leverage your Bitcoin, just stack away as safely as you can, take hold of it, get it on a hardware wallet, use Bitbox, shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten. These companies support these shows for a reason. It's not just to shill their products, these products are there to help you and you can stack, obviously, with Swan Bitcoin, with Relay, with Coin Corner, with Bitcoin Reserve. Again, these are Bitcoin only companies that have your best interests at heart. And it's all about education. You can get even deeper education by going to the conferences. We've just had the big one in Miami. There's way more coming up. Just keep an eye out on Twitter. There's new ones getting released weekly, it seems at the moment, as the world opens up again. There is a massive hunger for education and they're getting very, very well attended. You can check out bitcoinday.io. This is monthly meetups across different states in the US. So 
You don't. You might just be visiting. Check out where it's going to be. It might. You might be able to swing by and uh, and meet one of uh, one of these guys. But if you live in the U.S., you might be. Able, you know, this could be a monthly pilgrimage. It's definitely worth checking out. Hit the link in the show notes. I think I've hit all. Oh no, get to the conference in Prague. Lifetime. Uh, in our uh, Liberty in Our Lifetime, excuse me, put together by Peter Young and Titus Gable over at the uh, Free Cities Foundation. I hope to see you there. I'm going to go myself and speak. Stefan Levera is going to be there as well. Catch you on the next show, guys. Thank you for listening. <laughs>